0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. It's Alliance 24 seven podcast. Happy to be with you once again, summer vacation is over. We got a lot to dive into here on a new episode of the Alliance 24 seven podcast. It's pretty remarkable how much can happen when you step aside for a week and and that's what went down here in Happy Valley while we were away we're going to bring in uh s- some of the big guns to talk about Penn State recruiting today our very own Tyler calvaruzzo will rejoin the podcast to talk about Penn State's four new commitments that took place uh during a one week span here in July we also saw Penn State lose a quarterback commitment see some targets go elsewhere other targets beginning to take shape for their plans in the coming weeks and months so Brian Doan will join us as well, a national recruiting analyst with, Lions, with 24-7 Sports, a frequent guest here on the podcast. Probably been about two months since we had Brian on the show, so some things to catch up on with him. And without further ado, let's bring in Tyler Calveruzzo. Um, Tyler, appreciate all the work you put in during the past week. Uh, obviously, things have been busy really since the get-go once you joined this beat, but four new commitments on board. We'll get to some of the bad news in a moment, but wow, you're still catching your breath from what happened last week.
1: Yeah, man, it it was a whirlwind of a week and, you know, earning the paycheck last week, man. there, There was a lot going down pretty much every day. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to cover. You know, obviously, in this line of work, more activity, the better. At least that's the way I see it. So it was a good week for Penn State. You know, it had its ups and downs, but I think it came out on top in the end
0: july 7th is a day that's going to warrant our attention because i think we released our last podcast on july 6th and things have changed a bit Mm -hmm. since then but let's start with july 8th and and this commitment spree that penn state enjoyed as they built up their 2023 recruiting class it's a class that uh, now at 19 total players on board number three nationally in 24 7 sports rankings and elliot washington uh, flipped his commitment from the alabama crimson tide down there in venice beach uh, on the gulf coast of florida Uh, you know add another name from the sunshine Penn State to this, although we took one off that list as well the same week. Elliot Washington making this move after his official visit. Uh, tell us about the kind of splash Penn State was able to make and how they got it done.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of goes without saying that it's a pretty big get for Penn State. Alabama, commit or not, we're talking about a kid who's in the top 24-7, top 150, top 110, I believe he is, actually. So, I mean, look, they kicked a ball. I mean, he, he looked good at the top 50 last weekend. And Penn State, they they got him on campus for the official visit. In June. And at that point, it kind of looked iffy just because Michigan State was thought to have the best chance to flip Washington. But as we see, I mean, the staff did a great job in that official visit, really warranted that consideration and eventually closed. And the big thing with Washington is just he had ties to Michigan State through that coaching staff and Penn State was still able to come out on top. So that just speaks to the job that they did throughout his recruitment and getting him on campus. For official, that was viewed as a big win in itself. And then to go on and close is just a testament to what the staff was able to really pull off here. And again, in Florida, nonetheless of all places, I feel like that's a recurring theme. Florida recruit. You
0: know, yeah, and and, and J. Wan Slater has done major work, not just in Florida, Virginia, at all positions, um, and, and big, been a big player down in Florida. I know with Elliot, Elliot Washington, um, this is a situation where you know he makes that trip up, starts to get that acclamation. And then you look at what Penn State's got at safety now with him making that move to the class. They've got three of the top 20 safeties in 24 7 sports rankings for the 2023 class. All of them are from the state of Florida as Washington joins uh, Conrad Hussey and King Mack.
1: Yeah, the funny part about that is two of the three might wind up not even playing safety. I mean, King Mack, you know, he's got to project that corner. We've talked plenty about him. I don't really need to get into <laughs> King, King Mack's positional versatility because, you know, me, I could go on. on on and on for days with him. But, I mean, he's a guy who can play in the nickel. And then Elliott Washington projects as a corner, despite the fact that he has played safety throughout his high school career. He's gotten more and more reps at corner as time has gone on. He worked at corner at the Elite 50, and he's a corner through and through at the next level. He's an outside guy. But, yeah, either way, I mean, these are really, really talented kids we're talking about here. And just for Penn State to have that kind of depth in its class, defensive back-wise, just with those three alone, we're not even talking about the other guys committed, Lamont Payne, Dakari, Nelson – It's a great haul right now.
0: Yeah, Terry Smith, a longtime mainstay in the defensive backfield and and as a defensive recruiting coordinator, but keeping Anthony Poindexter on campus for another year as well (laughs) after we thought he may leave last offseason. It's really proven to be big as this recruiting class has developed. We're going to do a bit of rapid fire here. A lot of coverage is online 24-7 for all these guys as they committed, and we'll fill in the blanks in the coming months, try to have these guys on, get more intel on them as their senior season's get underway, but let's move on to the next one. London Montgomery was the in-state running back we've talked about for months now. Went out there during the spring track season, really put up some verified results that that turned a lot of heads. Penn State is the pick. They just signed the nation's number one running back prospect Nick Singleton out of the home state. Journey Brown, Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley—some success stories for the Nittany Lions at the position from Pennsylvania. What do you make of London Montgomery and stepping up to the challenge of encountering what figures to be a formidable Penn State backfield in
1: twenty twenty three? Yeah, he's joining a pretty crowded and talented room, but you know, I think he's a guy. He has the goods to step in and contribute at some point. Maybe not right away, but I think he's going to need maybe a year in the weight room to kind of get himself right. But this is a guy who could definitely contribute for Penn State at some point down the road you kind of always got the feeling it was going to be Penn State for Montgomery once that offer came in in the spring. I mean, we're talking about an in-state kid, you know, plenty of exposure to Penn State. A lot of his family wanted him to stay home. And I give Boston College a ton of credit because Boston College has made this a race to the point where, you know, maybe if Montgomery's not a Pennsylvania kid, they get him. You know, but there, there was just a lot of pull for him to stay home and play for a program that he called his dream school. I mean, once that dream school label gets thrown around, especially for a Pennsylvania kid, you kind of get the sense where things are trending
0: yeah and and, and going into uh, you know the, the next few months, you wonder, will they add a second running back? Trayon Webb ends up in the Florida Gators class. We'll talk about that in a moment, but um you know right now, you've got Sam Singleton making the trip up, another Florida running back uh, looking at him uh, being here for lash bash. That's an intriguing name. Florida State's a major player there. but right now I think Penn state Pretty comfortable to go wait and see between now and, and mid-September, see what is generated from some senior film. And and we may see some fresh offers emerge this fall. Not convinced they're done yet. Could see this be a two-running back class. And you kind of look at modern-day college football. You've got five guys in that room right now who are eligible to be around again in 2023. But what's the likelihood of that actually happening? Who's going to hit the transfer portal? Who's going to move on in different ways? Uh, so we'll keep tabs on running back spot. We're going to get to defense right now because there was a big – two-day span, uh, July 14th, July 15th, Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson joining the Penn State's class. We'll talk about these guys a little bit more with Brian, but to go back-to-back days picking up priority defensive prospects who really had their pick of several Power 5 programs down the wire, to get it done with each different circumstances, what do you make of the move?
1: It's a big, big momentum swing for Penn State getting those two guys on board. I mean, it was such a battle. For both of them, you know, we, and we've talked about it plenty here on the podcast, what Penn State had to go through to get Robinson and Rojas. I mean, with Robinson, with Miami making that really strong push early in June with the official visit, I think Brian Dome pretty much said it best in his uh, article title or the headline with uh, Robinson. Penn State had to rally to make that rally, happen. You know, yeah. Miami did that good of a job. It was not an exaggeration what they were able to pull off with him. He gets back to Penn State for his official visit in the middle of the month. That kind of resets things and reminds him that this is the place that he's wanted to be for a while. So credit to the staff there. And then with Rojas, they had to they had to hold off Georgia. You know, Rojas is another guy who got up to campus for that June 17th big official visit weekend and kind of realized this is where I want to be to the point where he went from wanting to give Georgia's coaches to have every opportunity to build up that relationship and get back in the race because they were kind of coming in from behind. He was going to make multiple trips there in a week's time. He wound up making none of those trips. So Two really just huge recruiting wins for Penn State, especially Robinson just being an in-state kid. You always want to lock down a player of that caliber when he's right in your backyard as a Pittsburgh native.
0: It's not always about the the big blows that you land yeah. on the recruiting trail. It's about the counter punches uh, that you can land, and, and that's what they had to do with some of these things is other programs from the South made a push uh, and, and potentially swaying guys down that way. Penn State able to rally as Brian Doan used it, and I think – You know, you look at bringing these guys on board. Many Diaz still hasn't coached a game with Penn State, but obviously he's a major presence, a lot of experience as a Power 5 defensive coordinator. Spent the last few years as the head coach of one of the more marquee uh, teams in America. But I think it's really impressive because he came in. Brent Pry was the one who kind of established some relationships in that 2023 class. And Diaz... coming out of a circumstance where he was the coach at Miami and, and Tamir Robinson didn't have that offer and didn't love that. He didn't have that offer. I think it's really impressive that Diaz has steadily really made his, made himself a player in this 2023 class for the Dindy lions. It's where we've been wondering how would he impact the recruiting trail? It seems like he's gotten rolling and, and really that momentum ha- has, has built this summer.
1: And it helped Diaz. He's already so liked by the current Penn state players to the point where they were all pitching him to Robinson while he was on campus. They're saying, Hey, look, This is a guy you could really learn under and develop under, and you're going to like him as a person. I think that was probably the biggest thing, just because Robinson wasn't really familiar with him, as you just touched on. He didn't have that Miami offer, so he's going to a place where you have a defensive coordinator who never even offered him when he was a head coach. So how's that relationship going to form? And i got to say, it's come along pretty nicely, considering where things were at the start. Diaz did a really good job, and also the, the Penn State players played a big part in selling Robinson on Diaz as a coach and as a person, which is was huge at the end of the day.
0: Again, we're going to get back into some of these uh, newcomers to the recruiting class with Brian Donan in just a bit. But July 7th also happened before this commitment spree. And that was the day that quarterback Marcus Stokes flipped to Florida. Uh, running back target Treyon Webb committed to the Gators. And then Cameron Selden, very talented, kind of jack of all trades, uh, elite talent and, and uh, athlete category in the 2023 class, he picks uh, Tennessee. Let's start with the quarterback spot because that's always a lightning rod on the quarterback on the trail. Last time we talked on this podcast, we were looking ahead to his Elite 11 appearance. He ended up not making the Elite 11 finals, but out there was very vocal about shutting it down, not visiting other schools, being committed to Penn State and recruiting for Penn State. So this was one that caused some whiplash for those of us in the media. And I think some people uh, here in State College as well.
1: Yeah, see, I think Penn State fans were kind of braced for Cameron Seldon going elsewhere because we already had the crystal balls in. Then it was a stark contrast between what happened to him and Marcus Stokes. I mean, the Stokes flip pretty much came out of nowhere. We caught wind of that about a half hour before it happened that he was going to hop on the radio down in, uh, in Florida and, and make that announcement. And, yeah, he had gone as far as telling 24-7 sports that he wasn't even talking to Florida, and he was really locked in with Penn State, and he was recruiting, and he had a lot of good things to say about James Franklin. But then Florida ultimately came calling with an offer, and that changed it. And you, hate, you always hate to lose your quarterback, especially when that guy's developed into a class leader. You especially hate to lose that quarterback when it's July and so many other kids are committed elsewhere. Now, granted, I mean, we just saw a pretty surprise flip. Penn State might be able to facilitate one of those themselves. We just don't know yet. But still, you, know, you just hate to have this happen at this point in the cycle. If you're ever going to lose your quarterback commit, you'd prefer it to be a little bit earlier, just given how the market tra-
0: transpires. And if you're ever going to lose your quarterback commit, you prefer it to happen in a cycle after you sign two passers, including the yeah. top guy in the country. Uh, so uh, hey, look, that, that's the question. Whatever quarterback is coming into this, uh, it's got to have the right mentality. And not to say that Marcus Stokes didn't when he committed to this program, it was all about embracing that competition. He'll get to stay closer to home. It seems like the Florida Gators, that's a spot he was eyeing for a while. Maybe there were some hurt feelings that they didn't offer sooner, but they did offer. They presented uh, an outlook for his future that that he bought into, and and so he's moved moved forward. I think what you look for, and you and I talked about this yesterday during a phone call, is Penn State's in a position – where because of who they are and what they can do, uh, they could probably go out and flip 80 to 90% of quarterback they can commits make in move, the country. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, they could they move. could have somebody's quarterback commit in their class uh, today if, if they wanted. And, they, and they, that, that goes for a lot of guys. But what do you think is going to be the process here, though, as Mike Yersis and James Franklin try to figure out what's next at quarterback? Because you don't skip that position in a recruiting cycle.
1: No, I've always been a a Proponent of you take one quarterback per class, no matter what. Really, I mean, obviously, you don't take a kid that you don't think could play at the Power Five level, but you get a quarterback in your class. Now, in terms of Penn State and how they're approaching this moving forward, I think it's kind of a day to day thing. I know Jackson Smolik, that we, Tulane commit from the Elite Eleven, did a really good job out there. He's on the board. There are a bunch of other, you know, flip candidates we've discussed at Lions twenty four seven, and it's just a matter of that board taking shape, getting some of these guys on campus getting those evaluations checking out some film this is there's no rush for penn state at this point to get a quarterback in their class this could play out a little bit so the staff is probably going to make those evaluations they're going to see what the pecking order is that they prefer and then they're going to make their move because right now it's still developing we'll see if any of these quarterbacks get up to penn state for lash bash that'll be pretty interesting we're working on seeing if any of that will come to fruition
0: Well, in the past, we saw Penn State lose Justin Fields pick up a spring riser and Will Levis. Uh, We saw them lose Brandon Wimbush, go flip Indiana quarterback commit Tommy Stevens. We'll see what happens this time. We'll talk to Brian Doan right now, National Recruiting Analyst with 24-7 Sports. And as we have been discussing with Tyler here for the past 15 minutes, it has been a very eventful July for Penn State on the recruiting trail. But Brian, we talked about all of our commitments. You had a big one in your family yesterday, and congratulations to you. Your son, <laughs> your son announcing he's off to play college lacrosse, and I know it's a proud papa moment for you.
2: Well, it's fun. You know what I took out of the whole thing. I mean, yes, I'm very proud of him and and all that stuff that you know nobody watching this cares about. But here's what here's what I took out of it. Now he had some Division two offers, Division three, and it was a difficult process just in terms of talking to coaches, making visits, and all that stuff. I always appreciated what the kids we deal with go through, and I'm always appreciative when they give us some time out of their day for interviews or let us know what's going on. Multiply that by about a hundred now, because what we went through as a family for him, for lacrosse was, I don't want to say it was stressful, but it was time consuming. And I'm fortunate of what my job does to have an understanding of it. What these kids do going into division one football schools is incredible. I, I, I have such a different appreciation i'm so much more appreciative of what they go through well brian we got a bunch to get into here um yeah.
0: so much has happened just in the past week or so and uh, four additions to the class and Elliot washington from florida running back london montgomery in the state uh, and then tony rojas tamir robinson adding defensive pieces what has impressed you the most in the past 10 days
2: of what penn state has done on the 2023 trail Well, I I think it's just the quality of player they're bringing in. Um, And these are ones that for the most part, you can see them coming down the line that, you know, this is going to be the result on commitment day. And listen, I know we do the crystal balls and we're, we're pretty good at that, but you're always wondering if somebody will get to them at the last minute to see. So Penn state is doing a really good job of closing and they're, they, they've done a good job on identifying kids early. Like Tony Rojas, they ID'd so much earlier than almost everybody else, that they had him up to campus a bunch of times before anybody knew who he was. And yeah, they were not one of the first ones to offer London Montgomery. And I know people are like, oh, they waited too long. Yo, it was during a dead period in the early spring or February or whatever it was. That's not too long, just relax. Um, but then they got him to campus a bunch of times after that. And Tamir, you know, Tamir, when I was out in Pittsburgh a few days before that, and, you know, he was gracious enough to let me know what was going on then, he, he was going to Miami when he left the Miami visit and Penn State did what Penn State does when you get them on visits. I mean, we went through it during the pandemic where every other day we talked about they need to get kids on campus and it's just different when you get kids on campus. There than a lot of other places and and so there's a bunch of different things that they're doing but it it all comes down to identifying talent being good recruiters and getting those kids to come to campus penn state will have another big opportunity
0: to get guys on campus next weekend uh closing out july with lash bash that's something that tyler and i will discuss next week on the podcast some names confirmed uh, continue to pour in on lines 24 for our vip subscribers you mentioned rojas uh brian since we had you last on the podcast he has received that bump up the four-star status from 24 7 sports
2: uh, what facilitated that why did that need to happen I needed to have him because he's a really good player. Uh, a few things facilitated it. You know, we got some verifieds on on what he was able to do from an agility and speed standpoint. Um, you know, in I, you know when you look at the recruiting team, I think I'm the only one that has seen him live. And you always want to try to get multiple eyes on kids before you make a big jump. And and it showed that that was not going to happen. And so it became discussions of. Hey, this is what I see. This is some of the feedback I'm getting from people in various parts of the country in college programs um, and you know just making sure that Tony was a kid that you know he's two hundred and five pounds and he's gonna have to play at two twenty five two thirty probably just making sure one day he can get to that level um you know we we liked him a lot, which is why you know he started out where he was and the hope was that we would see more of him as a recruiting team, and as it turned out, it was, it was me. Um, and so it just takes a little bit more time. and I know you know we live in a now society, but listen, just get it right by February when we finish our rankings. Everybody's always in such a rush with these things, and I always tell kids, I will underrank you early just so I don't have to drop you because I may start you at 86 and you may finish at 90. But if I start you at 89 and drop you to 87, that's devastating to kids because they have to hear it from their families, their coaches, their friends. So just be patient, but that, that's, you know, that's my little go off on a tangent, but yeah, I mean, Rojas, you know, it, it was just making sure we're all on the same page and comfortable with the information.
0: We'll be right back on the lines 24, seven podcast. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You mentioned Robinson and and Tyler talked about uh, your use of rally in your headline for for Penn State's ability to get him in the fold with Miami playing such a strong role. Miami's last head coach, Manny Diaz, uh, I'm curious to hear what you think about his role in Penn State's recruiting success, especially as they bring on some defensive pieces. He's a guy that we've kind of been waiting and, and wanting to see and learn about his impact in that department.
2: Yeah, and I think what people have to realize is if you're a coordinator, you really don't do a lot of recruiting. Like on the offensive side, quarterback and maybe a kid here or there, and defensively, I mean, it's more about making sure the kids you're recruiting fit the scheme you're going to play. So, you know, when people talk about, you know, what, let's see what he can do, it's going to be more on the subtle part. And I think, you know, what you mentioned, Tyler, it's perfect with Tamir Robinson because – one of the early holdups with Tamir was that Miami did not offer him when, when Manny was there. And there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, I, I would think personally, the first being Miami does not recruit Pittsburgh. So why would they go offer a kid? But then you have other people in his ear, maybe other coaches, other schools, people in his inner circle, whomever say, well, he didn't offer you. He didn't offer you. Well, I mean, I could go down the list of kids in in Pittsburgh he didn't offer because you don't recruit there. So the key then was getting Tamir through that, getting him on campus multiple times to meet with Manny Diaz, then speaking with Diaz about why that happened, feeling comfortable with that. And now let's get to the fit in the defense. And Manny Diaz did a great job on the official visit. I mean, listen, I think, Tamir always liked Penn State. Um, when he told me Miami was the leader at one point, that kind of surprised me because I always had him pegged as a Penn State kid. Just don't lose them. But, you know, they did exactly what they needed to do at the end in terms of, you know, the recruits did a good job of making them feel comfortable. But also, you know, Manny Diaz explained his process, not only as a defense, but in the offering stuff so I, I think I think you're right Tyler I think when you look at Tamir and how it went with Manny Diaz he, he was key in that one now, now listen Terry Smith still did an unbelievable job out there right Terry's Terry's the guy in Western PA so let's not make it seem like he didn't have the impact there but I think Diaz was the one that kind of brought it home yeah when, when and, and, D, means- and Diaz and, and Diaz was the only one who could bring it home to be honest yeah, when names pop up in the western portion of
0: this state, you know Terry Smith is on the case. Um, Brian, Tyler, I'm going to pose this question to you uh, because that July 7th was rough, as, as we talked about uh, before you came on. Brian, we saw some finality, it seems, with Stokes and Webb with Florida. Is there that same sense of finality with Cameron Selden and his commitment to the Tennessee
2: Volunteers? Uh, I mean. Yeah, I think he felt comfortable there. Um, I know kids always say nil stuff doesn't matter. I think it probably played some role there. Um, he likes the way they're going to use him in the offense, but you know, that Cam Seldon wasn't all Penn State from the beginning. Told you that maybe he was looking for something different, um, and so I just think that you know the SEC and the the idea that the Vols play that, you know, you play in front of a bunch of people just like you do at Penn State, but I just think whatever it was connected with him, and and that happened when he went on an unofficial visit in the spring, and he, he told me, you know, that he brought, geez, probably eight people with him on that unofficial visit, and so you kind of got the sense that Tennessee held something close to him, and and I think at the end of the day he he wanted to go a little further away from home as well. Tyler, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some targets and,
0: and let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. Carmelo Taylor has a commitment date set up. He was on campus. We saw him, you uh, know, diminutive figure, but you look at the speed, you watch some of the highlights, fun player to watch. Brian, Tyler, uh, this is one that uh, it's been a late, I guess, a very uh, – Fast rising recruitment, and it just doesn't feel like maybe we're going to get to the finish line just yet. Even if there's a commitment date on the board.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot. Going on. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot going on there. So we'll see what happens. You know, Penn State, Virginia Tech, South Carolina, all in play. Commitment date now, Brian. What is thirty first? Right? Pushed back to the thirty first. I
2: don't know. I'll be on vacation, so we'll see. <laughs> oh yeah. <man. laughs>
1: so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, there's been a lot of moving parts there.
2: I mean, listen. The thing with Cameron Taylor is he burst onto the scene because he ran like a ten-six in the hundred um, down at Patrick Henry in Roanoke, Virginia, which is Tech's backyard. Um, Tech feels good about him. I understand why. I think Tyler's right, though. I mean, I do these poor listeners and viewers are going to have to figure out which Tyler I'm talking about. We're going to have to come up with some corny. We'll nicknames. figure it out, man. But, but I mean, it's like Tyler one and Tyler two. I'm not sure which will be which though, but um, you know, I don't think this thing ends. If he commits at the end of July, I can see, you know, cause it's so new and, and being able to get out and maybe see some other schools in the fall. I, I see that as possible. I, I also know that, you know, he, he is raw. And so, from that standpoint, he's not—you know—it's the speed that everybody's attracted to, and he's got a lot to learn in terms of route running, you know, tracking the ball, um, making sure his hands are reliable. But I, I think it's just what um, Tyler C. Let's say said go. before. Um, I, I, you know, we'll see where it goes. I, I don't—I don't think we're going to hear the last of him when I'm on vacation. Well. This summer, Penn State lost an offensive line commit. We have talked about
0: their intent to expand that class before they lost the commitment. So that's been an area of focus recently. Stan Ramil, Evan Link have been hot topics. Uh, Nikhil Betrand uh, has been a name that surfaced uh, out of St. Francis now uh, down in Baltimore as he's made a move. Um, What can you guys give us in the latest in, in Penn State's pursuit of offensive line talent? Knowing full well, and this is a disclaimer that I feel like we have to use every time Evan Link's name is brought up, it is a very quiet inner circle out of Evan Link when it comes to his recruitment.
1: Yeah.
2: I'll take the Evan Link part of it and then Tyler yeah. can jump in on the other stuff. So Evan Link um, was, you know, I, I view it as like a Michigan, Michigan, Stanford, Penn state battle. And he was supposed to go out to Michigan last month. Did not make it. Um, I know when he went out to Stanford in the spring, he absolutely loved it. He loves Penn state. He has a, Penn State kind of vibe to him. But like you said, this is a really quiet recruitment because it's not that he just doesn't want to do interviews. It's just simply, you know, he's nice enough about it, just doesn't want to do interviews. And he doesn't tell a lot of people what's going on um, to kind of let things get out that way. I feel right now, if you said to me, hey, Brian, you got to put in a crystal ball pick right now, I would put it at Penn State, but my confidence level would be five, just meaning that. I think Penn State's the team to beat, but I am—I can see it going any direction.
1: Yeah, I have that crystal ball in right now. I'm pretty much in the same place as you with that recruitment. And, yeah, Evan's great, like you said. I mean, he just does not want to do interviews. You just wants to focus on his process, and you know, you got to respect that. And as for the other two, Stanton Ramil, that's an interesting one because we're talking about a guy who – he has family in the northeast in Binghamton, up in, upstate New York specifically. So – Penn State has that working in its favor, but at the same time, I've heard a lot of good things about the way that Michigan State official visit went down, and I know Tennessee's done a really good job with him. So I would say those three are the primary contenders right now. There was originally a thought that he might be announcing at some point in July. You know, we'll see. Obviously, the month's kind of winding down, so we'll see what happens there. And then with Betrand, he's set to announce now at the end of this month. And like you said, he made the move down to St. Francis, so he's winding down. I'm not anticipating right now that, you know, that'll be a Penn State pick, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, Pretty we'll see with it, Betran.
2: With, yeah. with Betrand, you know, there was talk that he was going to go down to A&M before he made his announcement. I, I think that's in question a little bit, but uh, here's the best way I can put it. I don't see Penn State pushing to take a commitment from him until – Offensive line coach Phil Troutwine can go out and watch him play because when he was on campus, he did not work out. They have not seen, they have not had a live eval on him. So, you know, from the offensive line coach. So I don't think they're going to move on that until, you know, they see him live. Yeah,
0: I think that makes a lot of sense And considering how this guy's body has blown up at the high school level and, and, and the offers that have come since everyone saw him play live football. I think it's very fair to, to want to have that comprehensive, thorough assessment. Um, guys, there's a few other targets I wanted to get to. KV on Keys was a name we've been tracking for a long time. We wondered if he'd ever show up to campus. He did get to campus for an official visit in June. And, and now it sounds like he's sticking with his plan to wrap up this recruitment before his senior season.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, he told me that he's gonna announce on his birthday like August 27th, which is like five years away from me right now. But um, right, right, you know. But uh yeah, I right now I think Penn State is the school to beat. I think um they they hit it out of the park with their official visit. Him getting there and seeing Penn State in all its glory was really important. Um being around the coaches, being around players made him feel comfortable. Talking to some people down, you know, he's out of uh, Richmond, Verina. Talking to some people down there, it it really made a bigger impact than he thought it would. Now, we still got, what, a month, five weeks, six weeks to go before he announces. And it's funny, when we finished his podcast, I, I have to text him to see if he's doing anything at the end of July. But I think right now Penn State should feel good, but let's see what happens in the next five weeks.
1: They really sold him on the culture when he got onto campus. That was probably the biggest thing for him. Just based on your write up of him, he was really. They showed him one of those videos, and he he was. It, it hit home for him. But yeah, they they did a really great job in that official.
0: If I recall correctly, Kobe King uh, had an impact there as well. Um, I think, uh, you know, as a as a peer recruiter. Hey, um, Jalen Thompson is a guy that you've been monitoring, Tyler, uh, for some time. Um, what can you tell us about where his recruitment is headed? The defensive lineman out of Cass Tech, Penn State, of course, going up there and grabbing the twins, Kalen and Kobe King, a couple cycles ago.
1: Yeah, Penn State's in a pretty good spot there right now, and there there are a couple reasons why. Michigan State has kind of moved their sights elsewhere with their defensive end board. They've had some pretty big gets there, so Thompson has kind of. You know, he, he's in flux there, and Penn State, at that same time, has done a really good job with him. I actually talked with him a little bit this morning. He's still working on seeing if he's going to get up for Lash Bash. He, he wants to, but he, he's working to see if he can make that trip. And if he can, it'd be a pretty big travel. It'd be a good trip for him to make just because he wanted to get that official visit and in June, and he hit some travel issues. You know, he had some flight delays. Bad weather kind of nixed that, and he wasn't able to make it back up by the end of the month. So he wants to get up At the end of this month, we'll see if he ultimately makes the trip. But as it stands right now, I think Penn State's in a pretty good spot for him.
0: Before we jump into a couple topics with the, the updated top 24-7 rankings, uh, Micah Mays uh, is a three-star athlete out of Palm Beach, Florida, um, targeted uh, routinely as a receiver, has a commitment date set for August 10th, and he is also in the mix to be at Lash Bash. Andrew Ivins reporting this one, who does a fantastic job covering Florida recruiting. Um, what have you been tracking on, on Mays, Tyler? Because I know he's a name you wanted to get to here on the podcast.
1: Yeah, he's still deciding if he's going to make it to Penn State at the end of the month. It's kind of between Penn State and NC State in terms of where that visit is going to go before he makes his decision. Wake Forest has done a really good job with him to the point where I would say they're a pretty pretty solid favorite. But if he makes that trip to Penn State, I think it has the chance of being an impactful one. Penn State off late, so it's playing a little bit of catch-up. They're not as far along with him as some other programs are in his recruitment. But if he makes it to Lash, I think that's going to be something we're going to have to monitor pretty closely as he moves into pretty much commitment mode.
0: Jay Wan Sider, of course, known for what he can do in that area. He is involved here, but Taylor Stubblefield sounds like he's made a very strong impression on Mays thus far. We'll see if they can get together in person later in the month. Brian, I know when the rankings come out, uh, you get a little bit of a, a tap on the shoulder here and there. Uh, we're going to do the same here. Uh, look, no one plummeted, so we don't have to go down that direction. I do want to start out, though, with with Alex Birchmeyer. I was curious, taking a peek, is he still the number one guy on that interior offensive line board? He is. What has he done? I mean, you were here, you saw him on campus about a, a month and a half
2: ago. Why does he continue to lead that pack? Yeah, because he's the best one out there. Um, you know, he, he just because he's been there for a long time doesn't mean you should make a change. There's a reason he was there for so long. He's good. He's really good. Um, and when we were out there at Penn State watching the camp, he's agile, he's athletic, he bends well. He's physical. I mean, he, he. I don't think freshmen should play on the offensive line in college very often um, for a lot of reasons. But from a physical standpoint, I think he can handle it. And then you watch, I mean, I think, Tyler, we are Tyler, donahue we i think we were standing there when they were doing like that triple broad jump or whatever it was and you know you had some dudes doing it like 15 feet and he's like at 26 or 28 or whatever it was i mean you just see the explosion and all that stuff it it just there's there's a reason we liked him so much early on and he's just continued on that path yeah, James Franklin looked pretty fired up following
0: him uh, along the testing and <laughs> drill work that day, didn't he? Uh, and I, should also, I should also get to the other offensive lineman here because I know a lot of folks are really excited about Javon Williams, but before I do, there was uh, probably five or six questions on our message boards. Okay, why isn't Alex Birchmeyer a five-star? People are pretty up in arms about that. They see the composite five-star, and I know Tyler was trying to answer it, but I think you are the best person to answer this. Can you explain for our listeners who may not know how that five-star – uh gets filled out over the course of the cycle by 24 7 sports
2: yeah i mean we don't like to drop stars from kids to begin with even though i mean if we have to we have to and there's could be a lot of fluidity especially at the top of the rankings so we take our time to fill out the five stars and every year is the same by the time february rolls around we will have 32 five stars So if you're keeping track at home, if you are number 26, 22, 11, 31, 32, and you finish there, you will be a five-star. So he may not have that fifth star next to his name right now, but he is in that spot that would give him a fifth star. Um, Again, you know, people get... Caught up in rankings in a lot of different ways, including you know I have kids saying, well, how come I dropped? And it's like, yeah, but your rating went from ninety two to ninety four. You didn't drop. You actually went up. There's a lot of moving parts to it, but I mean, should should we drop him and keep him as a four star? I mean, he's in five star range right now, and and to me, that's good enough. Yeah, number twenty
0: two overall then creeping up toward that range is javen williams uh up to number forty four from number seventy another guy that we all got eyeballs on here in june um
2: he's he's rising and rising he is, and I think a lot of it is when you look at how colleges and even the n f l do things now, i think we're in line with that with the way we do a lot of our rankings in terms of measurables testing numbers um What can you glean from other sports? And one of the things you see, you know, not only does Javen have the body type and he has the arm length, but what you see is a correlation between being a very good thrower in track and field, whether it's the shot or discus, and how that translates into success as an offensive lineman. Between footwork, um, flexibility, lower body movement, dexterity, all that stuff, you know, the work ethic it takes to be able to throw it correctly. And that factors heavily into it because yes, he still has a ways to go in some technique as an offensive lineman. Those traits are elite. And so okay, they're elite. So now you have that talent. Now it's up to the program to develop that talent. That's why he's so high. Penn State
0: four guys inside the top 100. The two offensive linemen, Tamarian Parker, the edge rusher out of Alabama, is at number 49, and then King Mack, who's really been an ascender on this list. He's inside the top 100 now, number 98 overall. I think he was a relative newcomer to the top 24/7 when he committed to Penn State, so he continues to climb. Tony Rojas, not just a four-star player, but top 24/7 comfortably, number 125 overall. Right. Tamir Robinson at number 141, and then Elliot Washington, who we mentioned, uh, flipping from uh, flipping from Alabama. Uh, the florida defensive back at number 175 so uh, brian tremendous work from you in the rankings council as always uh, you guys have been on the road watching camps i know you get a lot of flack because not everyone appreciates yeah, okay. some of the results but tell us what's the next step uh you know these guys will be back in the pad soon training camp's going to get underway across the country then eventually games it's nice to have a full calendar to assess these guys Something we haven't had in a few years what's next on the agenda as you as you're going to Get the next step towards big shifts in this top twenty four seven.
2: Yeah, some sleep, but uh, after that, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm I'm a little more fortunate up here in the Northeast. You know, other parts of the country they start playing games in mid and late August. Up here, we don't. Um, you know, I've been out to a couple practices already of some of the private schools in New Jersey that started practicing with shells. Um, but what it is is, you know, it's August, going out to some practices. It's going out to scrimmages, live evals with games, watching a bunch of game tape, Um, just stuff like that to where you're back on the cycle. And everybody's like, well, we need to reevaluate this guy. Your ranking's wrong here or whatever. Um, They always get reevaluated. That's what we do. I mean, you know, so is it – it's not always on somebody's timetable. Like I was with a kid the other day. He's like – hey, how do I get that fourth star? And I was explaining to him about it's going to take a little longer on the evaluation because we don't have some of the multi-sport context we do with others, whether, I don't want to get away with it, but whether it was a track time, whether it was, you know, some stuff on the basketball court or whether he's a thrower or a wrestler, we don't have that, so it takes a little longer. So it's getting out to see those and also getting our eyes on some really good 24s and some 25s who are going to be on the clock, you know, and get some rankings done on them in August. So, I mean, it, it never stops It's a good thing. And I guess my thing, Tyler, is, when people stop complaining about rankings, then I'll be concerned because if they complain, it means they care.
0: It's like being married. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Damn right. Uh, This is my parting question for each of you. Um, You know, the last couple of months you've both been on campus. You've both reacted to the commitments. You've seen Penn state lose some pieces. What stands out to you most about Penn state and its ability to build this recruiting class this summer coming off a season that was seven and six, and certainly some questions about the trajectory of the program
1: just really like what they're able to accomplish when they get these kids on campus for their officials. And, you know, we always say it how important it is to get recruits up to Penn state, because they have an atmosphere kind of that in they, they need to get guys up there. They need those in-person visits and they were hurt by that through COVID. So just getting these guys on campus and once they get them, there, doing such a good job of selling the vision, selling everything the program has to offer on and off the field. That's really impressed me coming over and just getting started here seeing that kind of come to fruition in person the way the staff operates with some of these kids it's been pretty impressive to me and i think it's a big reason why this class is among the elite right now
2: i think for me it is just a reminder of the power of the penn state name and by that i just mean like you mentioned tyler their last two seasons have not gone how they wanted to now the covid year a lot of factors in that um it didn't impact recruiting at all. And I know people will be concerned with Marcus Stokes decommitting. You have a, you know, a five-star quarterback who is unbelievable in your program. It's going to be very hard to get a kid to come and sit behind that for a few years. Um, so there's that aspect of it. But the power of Penn State to attract high-level kids and make them understand not only what beaver stadium is like on saturdays let's hope they never play a friday night game there and also campus alumni pipeline relationship with coaches and the culture in the program to me it just it's 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 a reminder of how powerful penn state can be in recruiting gentlemen really appreciate it this was a timely discussion a lot going on right now
0: brian uh i hope that you have a little bit of a respite in order if you don't we appreciate all the work you put in
2: yeah, I, I do have one, but as always, I love coming out with you guys. And Tyler C., I think you're killing it, so keep it up.
0: Thanks, nice, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll turn attention uh, toward uh, recruiting the Lash Bash again next, away, next week as we get under, uh, Excuse me, underway with a couple more episodes. I'm kind of like riding a high off of that conversation. So much to delve through on the recruiting trail right now. Again, I stepped away, went to the beach for a week, and you come out of it and you just got to play catch up for about 72 hours before we sit down and record this show. So we'll have a lot to get into next week. Daniel Gallen did a fantastic job at Penn State's Open basketball media session yesterday i encourage everyone who has an interest in penn state basketball right now to head over to lines 247com grace brennan took a bunch of photos of a bunch of newcomers eight new scholarship players there on the court working out Uh, a lot of content and context coming out of that basketball availability uh, as as we shift focus away from football for just a tiny teeny weeny moment because two weeks from now Penn State back on the field in pads a lot coming your way Big Ten media days take place next week Daniel Gallen will be out there Mark Brennan will be out there we'll check in with them from Indianapolis here on the show so plenty coming it's not going to get any slower anytime soon as I said summer breaks are over around here on the Lions 24-7 podcast big thanks to Tyler Calvaruzzo and Brian Doan I am Tyler Donahue we'll talk to you real soon right here on the Lions 24-7 podcast
2: it only takes two minutes of sheer horror
1: a new paramount
2: plus original docu-series we were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women a cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight he's suffocating people with a pillows
0: leaving corpses all over texas how did it happen
1: i was responsible for her the guilt is immeasurable they covered it up
2: pillowcase murders now streaming exclusively on paramount plus